Good evening, everyone. It's time for Necromaniacs. And uh, this week, welcome back, Jeff, who has been what's on up, this dude? long journey, man. So what's up? You're, you're all settled in. You moved. You live in Texas now. So what's the story, bro? Well, the story is as soon as I crossed the Texas border, I was handed a bolo tie and a Trump 2024 flag. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I, uh, I moved to Austin. Uh, I've been here about a week now. And, uh, you know, I was telling you off air that every, you know, things haven't exactly gone wrong, but they haven't gone quite right. <laughs> like, uh, you know, the movers, the window was from eight to 10, they show up at 1030, which means, you know, we get have to leave town late and we don't get into a hotel until like two in the morning. Uh, we got two cats traveling with us. You have a cat, you know, how cats oh, are in cars. Yeah. D- yeah. They don't like traveling. No, they don't. <laughs> And, um, you know, the, like the, the moving company gave us a window. It's like, oh, it'll be anywhere between four days and two weeks. Oh, so I'm sure you can take a stab at when our stuff is coming. It's, it's <laughs> um, not there yet, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's, uh, it's not coming until Thursday. So we're basically in this house, and it looks like we're squatting. Did anyone but, call the uh, cops on you guys yet to think that you, know, not- you guys broke into this abandoned house or anything? Yeah, no, not yet, <laughs> but I'm kind of waiting on it. We still have a lot to figure out. Like, you know, like, oh, trash is on Friday, so we take our trash out. And, uh, you know, we go in the next morning, everyone's trash was taken but ours. <laughs> um, so apparently we did something wrong. But um, it's just been a lot of running around, you know, getting little things for the house to make it feel uh, as as homey as possible, considering we don't really have our stuff. Um, we bought a new TV. Uh and uh, people like to comment about how big things are in Texas. <laughs> like, well, I'm you know what they always TV. say, man. They always say things are bigger in Texas. You know? And yeah, it's it's. I'm finding that that's true. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of bugs, uh, which uh, I'm sort of used to bugs being from California and all. But uh, when the sun goes down here, we're like, uh, you just hear this like smacking against your windows, and it's you know it's moths. Wow. And uh, you go out on the porch, and there's big scary spiders and these huge cockroach looking things and i don't even know what the hell they are outside uh, outside like outside. oh wow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then well, we, like i said we came in here in the middle of when we got here it was like the middle of the night we opened the door this place has been uninhabited for like four or five months so there's spider webs everywhere that's <laughs> like wow yeah and you know little by little it's starting to feel more like home you know every time you buy something, you know, a rug, uh, a shitty air mattress to sleep on, uh, which our cats popped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we got to get another did. one. <laughs> it's like, you little fuckers. And, and the funny thing was, uh, even this morning I woke up and um, I saw there was a spider on my wall, maybe about, you know, foot and a half from my head. And my cats are just staring at it. And the thing starts crawling towards the floor. And I'm like, all right, cats, do your job. And uh, they run away. <laughs> you know, my, my cat doesn't like bugs either. My cat runs away from bugs. Like, obviously, when I lived in Brooklyn, I, I knew I was very intimate with bugs. There's bugs. Bugs were part of my life while living in Brooklyn. And Loki uh, wa- never wanted any part of those bugs. Yeah, my cats are the same way. I mean, they, they ran out of there like it was like, <laughs> like they'd never seen a spider before. I mean, maybe they haven't. I don't know. But... Uh, I, I've learned that they're not going to be the, the bug killers that I had hoped they'd be. 
That's funny. But yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, most of my days are spent, yeah, running around, running errands, got a job, uh, all that, all that fun stuff. And, uh, I have had time to watch a whole bunch of Texas-themed um, movies. <laughs> oh, yeah? Um, yeah, yeah no, I, I think I mentioned that before. I'm kind of a nerd. I like yeah. to, you know, I'm moving to Texas, so, you know, watch the, the movie we're going to talk about today, uh, set in Texas. That's X um, that we're talking about today, actually. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. But uh, I watched, uh, uh, what I, okay, real quick, Hell or High Water. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Good, good one. Sicario. I guess that's not really Texas set, but you know, the desert. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> the desert. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I watched those things. I watched something else, but I failed to write. Oh yeah, the movie we're going to talk about. And Mike, you'll be happy to know, uh, I watched Severance. Oh man! So what do you think of that? That's why I really want to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It was above and beyond expectations. Um, you mentioned it was sort of a Legati-esque concept, this sort of office corporate horror uh, mixed with the Twilight Zone and Black Mirror. And aesthetically, it kind of reminded me of Possessor, Brandon Cronenberg's movie. I could dig that, yeah. Yeah, because you've got this like futuristic idea and concept but like when they get to the office everything's kind of low tech like uh you know the computers look like they're out of the 80s and the graphics look really old and uh big surprise that ben stiller is a big part of the show uh you know i know he directs and everything but i don't think he's ever done anything quite this dark i i was surprised too um and it actually has made me really appreciate him more because I just thought he was just some random, like, funny guy, you know? Yeah. You know, he's dipped into darker material with, uh, you know, the cable guy, but that's still very much a funny, silly movie, just slightly darker than what you're used to with Jim Carrey, at least at that time. And uh, so it's, it's, it's quite a surprise that he was behind this or, or a big part of it. I didn't know that. And um, it's the, the, the concept really gets you thinking, like, would you do something like that? Would you separate yourself into two different people and that don't know each other, even though you're the same person. Would, would you do something like that? I don't know, man. I mean, I would have to really, really hate my job to, to just have it completely erased from my memory. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, I love how they go into that. Basically that like they're there their entire lives. They don't know anything that they've done outside of the office so they leave and then a split second later cord they're back there that that's got to feel like hell yeah you're just always there you never you never leave yeah that must be fucking brutal man i'll say this though i thought it was just going to be a limited series and no spoilers or anything but it sort of but well definitely leaves it open for a second season my only concern is how long can you really sustain something like this when you have like a really good idea and you draw it out too long, it kind of ruins it, you know? Like, when you first saw Lost, like, oh, this is cool. And then six years later, you're like, this is fucking dumb. I don't, I don't think it's... Well, my hopes are that... Because it feels like there's, like, a conclusion. There's, like, some kind of climax coming, you know? Yes. It feels like they're build, building up to something. 
and and my hope is that they're just gonna you know they might have this storyline planned for like two seasons or three seasons and it's gonna end you know yeah that's yeah. what i hope at least you know yeah, like uh, like yeah, I remember Westworld. I really enjoyed the first season, and then I tapped out halfway through the second season. I was just like, you know, this. I thought this thing kind of ran its course in one season, and just sort of got bigger and bigger and bigger and less interesting. And uh, I love this season so much. I just hope it doesn't happen with this. But um, I highly recommend uh, Severance. You know, Apple has been doing pretty good with. Uh with their ser- series that they have. There's another one called servant. That is really good. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that. Yeah. And I know that that was, and night Shyamalan is somehow involved in that. I don't know if he's writing, directing or producing, but I know he's involved. And, and I have to thank uh, our buddy, Brandon over at uh horror wolf six, six, six. Cause he's the guy who told me about these two, these two shows. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. all right. Well, I guess I'll, I will, I will definitely check out. So you said it's good really good and and that's the thing like they're they're um you know the shows that they're doing that they're producing on apple they're not like these run-of-the-mill okay it's a vampire show or or a a zombie series or something like that they're very unique very offbeat you know it's like um kind of like high concept ideas that they're playing around with you know it's cool yeah definitely yeah the high concepts for sure in, in, in severance and just like masterfully executed, like you made, like definitely made you keep wanting to watch one more, one more, one more. You know, I think we blew through it in, in two or three days. You know, yeah, no, totally. But uh, yeah, before we get going too far, I want to give the shout outs to everybody. Of course, um, if you want to listen to listen to a podcast that goes deep into black metal and extreme music, you would uh, have to check out Into the Necrosphere. Um, my co-host at Everything Went Black, Ralph Schmidt is going to be a guest on on Into the Necrosphere soon, so check that out. We have Break the Apocalypse. That's uh, Mike's brother, John Draper. Somehow they don't have the same last name, but um, they're, they're, bro- they're brothers. Uh, check them out. I just mentioned Horrorwolf 666. And then uh, my good friend Cheyenne from Trivax has a podcast called Iblis Manifestations. And if you're into the occult, and spirituality and you know the the left hand path definitely check out his show and last but not least i always fail to mention that my flagship podcast everything went black some of you guys out there already listen to it uh, and some of you who don't listen to it uh check it out it's like i got guests i have certain uh shows that we go deep dive into certain genres of music i have filmmakers on there i've got uh you know uh, authors you know our mutual friend pete farris was on recently mm-hmm. so yeah check it out there's a lot of good stuff going on yeah man actually i just listened to an episode of that uh, on the way back from my job interview interview with our mutual friend john lamacchia that's right john who um his uh f- solo record just is about to come out and he you know if you guys want john to- is a, yeah check that out john's an insanely talented guy uh, talented musician, artist, and all around great dude. Was a huge help to me when I moved to, to New York. And we became really close friends in, in that time. And I'm excited for him and I'm excited for his record. And uh, yeah, check that interview out. It's a good one. Yeah, John used to p- play guitar in uh, Candiria. Um, that's another yeah, band, well, well-known band, uh, metallic yeah. hardcore band out of uh, Brooklyn, yeah. New York. Did, did some touring with those guys. And uh 
you know, they turned me around. You know, when I first heard about Candiria or saw him, I was like, this is fucking rap metal, <laughs> you, you know? But, like, after playing a few shows of them, I saw there was just so much more to them that was so much more interesting. And I became a, a big fan. And didn't John uh, help produce your, uh, your, your ambient record, the Crone album? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, the day after the last ISIS show. Um, Randy Larson, your former co-host, uh, came and picked me up in Boston, drove me to Connecticut, and I took a bus up to New York, and John and I just started working on working on music. Uh, he was the first person I thought of uh, when, when, when I was wanting to do something on my own, and I know John has some skills recording, and he's just all around uh, interesting musician. He thinks about music very differently than I do, and that's exactly the kind of stuff uh, you know, I wanted, you know, different perspectives, things like that. When, when's that vinyl coming out? That's a good question. I don't know. I know the pre-order's out. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably know, but my brain is so fucking fried right now <laughs> that um, I know they probably told me, but I cannot remember. I think it's in the fall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a fall I'm... record, so, uh, you know, it makes sense. I'm going to see if I can, uh, you know, or I might pre-order a copy of that, too. Well, I'll, I'll hold on to one for you if you can't. Uh, you know, because, you know, it's obviously it's me, so it's going to sell a million copies right out of the gate. Oh, it's going to be uh, huge, be probably, right? Huge, huge. <laughs> triple platinum, easily. You know, yeah. people people are dying for, for this shit. <laughs> um, anyway, I talked about what I checked out. Uh, what, what have you been checking out, man? I've been working like a maniac ever since I got back from uh, from this little run of dates that we did. And... um I just haven't really. I've the only thing I've been watching is like X Files episodes, and uh, oh no. yeah, and, and yeah, re- you have the reading. box set. Well, no, actually, I do, but it's on Hulu, so I just been ripping them on Hulu. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's great. I love that show, man. I yeah, I, uh, I got the box set. I don't know, like fifteen years ago, and I feel like every I don't know, five years or so, like I'll just run through the whole series. One of my favorite shows of all time. And um, I'd you know, I've been reading a lot. I'm, I'm rereading Dracula. Like I just have um, one of these penguins. Oh, they made a, they made a book out of that. <laughs> you jerk. Um, <laughs> there, there's a you know penguin. There's a penguin classics edition which I bought. Like I have like three, three or four versions of Dracula, and uh, so I, it's like I don't know. It's, it's cool hardcover with a painted cover, and I was just like, you know what? Let me reread this. It's a great book to reread, and. Uh, I just was in the mood for it. So I've been re- rereading that. I've um, been reading um, Dark Tales by Shirley Jackson. It's like a collection of short stories. And um, nice. I discovered a band. They're not new, but my buddy Mike G, uh, who plays bass uh, on my my forthcoming uh, project, Scorpion Throne. And Mike also plays in uh, Windfarer and Replicant. And he's just like a, a great great guy talented musician but he sent me a video youtube video of this band uh called lebanon hanover and um hmm. i just can't stop listening to them i've been listening to them for like the last three days like straight what kind of music it's like dark um you know gothic sort of electronic music Min- minimal minimalist you know it's like very simple beats like maybe two or three instruments and you know vocals and uh it's like two people make it, and uh, it's like some British guy and uh, this German lady, Larissa Iceglass, 
And mm. uh, so I've kind of, I've actually been grown sort of obsessed with her over the last couple of days, you know, been reading, oh, cool. reading stories about her and interviews and trying to find out all this information, as much information as I can about her. It's always fun when you find something that like, you don't just like you or become like obsessed. Like it becomes like a part of you. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, totally. Like when I first discovered, you know, writer Thomas Ligotti, I knew like, I was like, I, this is going to be my new obsession. Yeah. Or yeah. You know, when you discover a band like that, like, like the first time I heard the, the first Interpol record, like, Oh, this is my new favorite band. Uh, turned out to be pretty wrong about them, <laughs> but uh, you know, like it's it, it's really something when you connect with something on that level like it's more than just like i like this it's like this is a part of me this is who i am the funny thing about this too is like you know i i like to think that you know I, i'm in the know when it comes to music like you know I'm, I'm like out on the fringes discovering all this new shit so i was like oh i'm just gonna share this with some of my friends who who appreciate this kind of music so i you know i hit up like uh retta who listens to this show actually. And I'm like, yeah, you know, have you heard that? And she's like, yeah, I put, I put one of their songs on a playlist that I made for you like two years ago. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. And, and then our, our mutual friend, Sarah, I was like, check, Hey, this is, you know, have you heard of this? And she's like, yeah, I've listened to them for like 10 years. So. Yeah. I think that happens to me all the time. Like I remember talking to our mutual friend, uh, Nicole, and, uh, you know, I, I remember, hey, like, oh, man, I've been checking out this, uh, this podcast, last podcast on the left. Have you heard of it? And she's like, scroll through your text, dummy. <laughs> like, sure enough, like, <laughs> like months ago, she was like telling me to like, like, you got to check this out. This is right up your alley. <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a fucking idiot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, since this is a horror podcast, I really do got to bring up uh, the fact that David Cronenberg has a new movie coming out and the trailer uh, dropped uh, last week sometime. Did you see it? Dude, I am so excited about this movie, man. <laughs> you know, it looks great. Yeah, it, it really does. And I don't know if you know this, but Crimes of the Future is actually the name of one of his, I think, student films, one of his old black and white films before he made, before he made Shivers, before he made his first studio movie, he made, a film called Crimes of the Future. And uh, it's very, you know, black and white, experimental, very weird, you know, has some of the touches that are hallmarks you would come to know David Cronenberg by. Uh, so I'm curious if this is sort of a reworking of that idea or it's just, he's like, I like that title, I want to use it again. Could be, man. Maybe the idea, maybe the, the version that he did when, when, when he was a student was like the demo version of this movie or something like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just great to see the master returning to a subject that kind of made us looks to be like very classic, weird Cronenberg. I got to say, 2022 is looking like a pretty good year for horror in general. There's been like a, like some good stuff is either coming out or has came out already, you know? Yeah, it's been a strong year for, for movies in general. Like yeah. there's been already been movies i think that uh, that are definitely going to make my top 10 list of the year and you know on the flip side i've already seen a couple that are definitely going to make the the bottom of my list <laughs> this year i actually watched one uh wasn't going to bring it up but i watched that movie ambulance that michael bay movie uh wow what a piece of shit 
I mean, just absolutely terrible. And it goes on forever. It felt like it was four hours long. That's fine. Uh, do not watch ambulance people. <laughs> public service uh, announcement. Public service announcement. At Michael Bay sucks. Everyone knows he sucks. I, I, don't, I don't know why I thought this would be any different. Um, <clears throat> but, but anyhow, yeah, look, very much looking forward to the crimes of the future. Coming on in, in June, so fairly soon. Oh, wow. It's right around the corner. Yeah, and uh, interesting cow. You got Viggo Mortensen back in the in the picture. Those guys have made some some great two of my favorite Cronenberg movies together. Uh, uh, <laughs> Eastern Promises and History of Violence. Those are both great, man. I I you know that's that's uh, those are two awesome movies. I think so too. I think Eastern Promises gets a little uh, overlooked as being maybe a little bit straightforward for him, and in some ways it is, but it's still a great movie that I think. Only David Cronenberg can make. I mean, a naked bathhouse fight to the death. I mean, who else is going to bring you that? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, my, I remember my mom was like real excited about that when when uh, we were um, visiting my parents, me and and uh, my ex girlfriend at the time, and um, we were sitting at the coffee table in the kitchen and and the kid drinking coffee in the kitchen rather. And my mother was going on and on about how great Eastern Promises was. And she was like, you know, in that scene with Viggo Morton, and you can see everything, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, at least you didn't have to watch that with your parents. I mean, I think this is something everyone can relate to is when you're watching a movie and all of a sudden, like, I, I remember watching, like, Lethal Weapon 2 with my parents when I was a kid. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know. This girl's tits are out, and yeah. fucking, her fucking Mel Gibson, and just even though I was like really young, I, I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, uncomfortable to watch like a, a sexy movie with your fan, your parents, definitely. Yeah, and I, I just even remember like you know, uh, my stepdaughter was telling me she was watching or my you know was watching that show uh, Sense Eight, and my you know my wife at the time and I were watching. We know <laughs> there's a, a lot of male nudity in it, <laughs> and. Um, I was like, well, I'm glad I'm not watching that with you, <laughs> you know, because it's just stuff like that is just uncomfortable. I don't know. Maybe I'm a prude or something or old fashioned, but like, yeah, no. <laughs> so that brings us Imagine, to uh, tonight's yeah. movie, which uh, which is X, which is a new film and uh, brand new, brand new released at South by Southwest on March 13th this year, 2022 released in the U.S., on March 18th, the year of our Lord, 2022. So, yeah, it's brand new. It just came out. Um, I saw it in the theater at the, uh, oh, the, did you? the old AMC dine-in down here in, in beautiful uh, Edison, New Jersey. Nice. And uh, the movie did for pretty well from what, from what I heard or yeah. read. A little bit on the long side. The uh, runtime was 106 minutes. And uh, mm -hmm. written and directed by Ty West. And apparently, this was uh, made during the quarantine down in Australia. And um, to maximize opportunity, he also shot a prequel to this movie. Yeah, I got some thoughts about that. But, you know, we'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> um, I had it written down as New Zealand. I could be mistaken. Oh, you're probably right. I just shot from the hip, you know, right now. You know, and I probably, I'm probably wrong. You're probably, you're probably right about being New Zealand. But that was a big surprise to me. This really felt like it was filmed in Texas. 
Well, you know, Ty West is a good filmmaker, man. I, you know, one, one of the things that made me really excited and motivated me to watch this film was I, he was being interviewed on, um, I forgot which podcast it, I w- it was that I was listening to. And he was talking about how he wanted to kind of make an old school horror movie again. You know, mm, there, where I, there was no agenda. It was like, just like no pretenses, you know, just a movie that like he grew up watching. Mm, you know? I think that was Mick Garris's podcast. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, listens. probably was Mick Garris's podcast. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he did that. And, but he made, I think he made something so much more than just a throwback movie. But uh, before we get into that, do you want to do the cast and talk a little bit about the plot? And we'll sure. Get into our yeah, yeah, and totally. All that? Totally. Uh, the cast, it's uh, Mia Goth as uh, as Pearl, or, you know, that's her real name, but her her act, her nom de plume on stage, her stage name is Maxine Minx. Jenna Ortega as Lorraine. Martin Henderson as Wayne. Brittany Snow as Bobby Lynn. Owen Campbell, who is also from another film that we really liked, uh, My Heart Won't Beat Unless You Tell It To. And uh, mm. he plays the, uh, the the cinematographer R.J. Yes, <clears throat> Stephen Ure as Howard and uh, Scott Miscuti as Jack Jackson Hole. So yeah. also, uh, is he the one? Let me see here. Yeah, that is actually the person who plays Jackson is the musician Kid Cudi. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. See. That's yeah, how like un, on hip I am, you know. Yeah, well, I don't know Kid Cudi's music. I just know of him. I he's a, a MC uh, or, or or something like that. Um, and they're not very, you know, in a very different kind of role. You know, a lot of times, you know, rappers take roles as a little bit flashier and like an action movie or something like that. And this, uh, he's definitely got some acting skills. I for sure he does. I thought he was he was like real subtle at times in this movie in his in his role. Very good, yeah. yeah. The uh, the music uh, was done by uh, your friend uh, Chelsea Wolf and uh, Tyler wouldn't, Bates. Wouldn't call my wouldn't call my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Met her. Um, um, by and uh, Tyler Bates, and you might know him from the composer. He's done some work with uh, on Dawn of the Dead and you know Three Hundred and stuff like that. He's a pretty well known composer. Yeah, and this score, uh, while subtle, is also very good. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. And it's also cut in with like just some classic tracks from the seventies too. Right. Yeah. A um, little bit of the plot details, like you said, like this is pretty much, pretty much like your standard old school horror movie. You know, a uh, bunch of kids going somewhere to do some things, and things go wrong. And yeah. that's, yeah, it's it couldn't get more simple than that, but. Uh, Ty West is such a good filmmaker. He makes it just a little bit more complex than that. And um, once again, you know, like you look at his filmography, you know, he's kind of stepped away from making films for a little while, it seems. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of him doing anything in quite a while, you know. And um, like I, I liked House of the Devil. I thought that was great, you know. And, and then um, The Sacrament, that was another good one. Yeah, that wasn't bad. I feel like that. Uh, doesn't really get its just due. I don't really know anyone who who likes it. Um, I, I think it's good. You know, it's a found footage mockumentary kind of thing, and uh, I think it's 
it's entertaining, does its job fairly well. Uh, it's basically a retelling of the Jonestown Massacre, but they don't call it the Jonestown Massacre, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's just some other some other maniac out in the jungle convincing people made, to kill yeah. themselves. He made a Western, and I think a few years after that, and I think that's the last thing he did for a while. And I, I remember finding the Western a little uh, underwhelming. Um, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Yeah, well, I did see it, and I don't really remember it, so that kind of tells you, I guess, what I thought about it. But uh, Ty West, probably most known to horror fans for House of uh, House of the Devil, which was a very 80s retro movie, big throwback to the 80s. He even digitally altered it to make it look like it was shot in the 80s. So here we are again with him doing something retro this time, the 70s, and I don't know if he digitally altered it or anything like that, but the movie texturally and technique-wise feels very much like a 70s movie. Yeah, definitely. It has that, that vibe to it. And um, what, you, what you're, you touched on earlier is that it, it's a very simple plot. I mean, we have a, a small cast. They go to a house. They're going to shoot a porn film. Um, you know, there's an old couple that who they've rented the place from. And of course, you know, they, they didn't tell him what they were doing and uh, mayhem ensues. But the thing that is really good about this film, and, and it's something that we talk about a lot on this show when, when we talk, especially when we talk about new horror, about how thematically filmmakers are so heavy handed about making statements that they, it's just so blatant and over the top and it, it ruins the narrative a lot of times. You know what I mean? Mm, absolutely. But in the case of this film, they actually talk about like a lot of really interesting subtexts, but it's done in such a way that it's, it's actually just part of the story and it's not so brutally heavy handed and preachy as other films. I'm glad you mentioned that, and I'm glad you noticed that, because I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, I'll probably mention the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre a few times in talking about this. Well, it kind of makes sense, because they're both in, you know, allegedly, well, they both, neither one of them were shot in Texas, but it's supposed to be Texas, right? Yeah. And it, they are similar. I mean, obviously, X is uh, influenced by all these great 70s films, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and, you know, and, and I would say even, like, Last House on the Left and stuff like that, too, you know? Sure, yeah. I, I would think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre would watch, the makers who made, who, of that film would watch this and cry, knowing, yeah. like, this is what our movie could have been. Exactly. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Like, none of the dialogue in this is stilted or unnatural. You really get a sense that these people are friends and the conversations they're having seem realistic to, to the characters and the people they are. Um, I also appreciate that, you know, these guys, you know, they're, they're doing fucking coke, shooting porn, but the movie never judges them for that. Like, it's presented as very just matter-of-fact. Like, this is something that people are doing uh, and it is what it is. And, you know, in a lesser movie, you would want, you know, they would make them obnoxious or, you know, like everyone would be, every different character would be a certain type and you couldn't wait for them to die. Now here, you take the time to get to know the characters and when, you know, bad things start to happen, you, you feel for them. Even though they're kind of fringe kind of people, you know? Yeah, each character has, has um, like, 
you get the sense that everyone is an individual and they all have their own stories you know like maxine minx you know she's like it seems my impression was that she was like the new kid on the block she's like you know wants to be a star in the adult film world um you know she is kind of favored a little bit you know and um and then uh, we have Bobby Lynn, who's like kind of like the old school, uh, you know, she's like the old vet at making uh, fuck movies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, you mentioned like subtext and things. It's another kind of like 70s thing where you watch a horror movie and it's sort of a comment or it ends up being a comment on the time it was made. Like when you look back on it. Uh, this movie definitely has that. And like you said, it's very subtle. Like there's a talk there's a line that the, the vet tells the new girl, what's your American dream? And I really feel like maybe you could look at this movie as some sort of comment about society today. Yeah. Um, I picked up on what's that your too, American actually. dream. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, uh, you know, the, the guy says, I don't want to wear a hard hat, you know, for the rest of my life or to, to earn a living. And the girl wants to, you know, be in this fuck movie to get famous and fame. And that's all you want. And, you know, and what's your American dream? And then the movie turns into a nightmare about an hour later. So yeah. I think that's on purpose. I, 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 and that's what makes Ty West better at this than a lot of other filmmakers. The dialogue is, is interesting. Like you're not just like waiting around for people to get killed. Like it's this nice slow burn. And during this slow burn, you, you're appreciating all the, like the textures and the, and the dialogue that's happening. Well, there's also a, um, a lot of different conflicts in this film, too. And, um, you know, there's the, uh, the cinematographer, um, RJ, who's played by, you know, Owen Campbell, who was in a, one of our favorite films of last, you know, last year, My Heart Won't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he want, you know, he's one of these guys, and, it, and it's a common story. You know, he has these aspirations of being a, a filmmaker and you know he's making porno movies to get started in the industry and he's hoping to uh to cross over and that was like a a dream of a lot of adult filmmakers and and actors and actresses in the 70s who did this sort of thing you know they were like okay this is how i'm going to get my foot in the door to, for mainstream success so this guy thinks he's like you know godard or something you know he's trying to apply <laughs> like all, apply all these uh, you know, techniques and stuff and, you know, and, um, his girlfriend Lorraine is accompanying them on this venture. So she's kind of like the fifth wheel in some ways, you know, and, and, um, you know, so, so there, Bobby, Bobby Lynn is the one who's actually kind of like hard on her a little bit. You know, there's, there's like, you know, this kind of female competitive thing, like showing the hierarchy of who's who, but one of the things right. that really throws RJ a curveball, and Lorraine is like super uptight. Like she's like Christian. She's like doesn't know how she feels about all this stuff. She's very, in the beginning, kind of judgmental of what they're doing. But once right. uh, once the film starts rolling, she finds that she's uh, very. She starts to get turned on by the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's a nice moment that. Uh you know, the camera sort of like shows her face and it starts to turn into like this, like smile, like she's finding, like she enjoys it. This is something different for her. Yeah. And then this is where we get the subtle, uh, you know, patriarchal moment in the film where, 
you know, RJ, who, you know, you think he's like this kind of sensitive uh, artist type of guy, gets that possessive male thing, you know, where when she, because she says that she wants to actually be in one of the scenes. Right. And all of a sudden this high art concept of his is, yeah. is not, yeah. You know, it's, 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 uh, she's too good for this. It's really just a, a sex movie. And, uh, you know, he's just throwing everything out there just to try to stop her from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all these conflicts like that. And I thought that was really cool, you know, and, and the movie does, it talks about like sex, you know, like sexism and, you know, male, you know, hierarchies and a little bit of, you know, we have a, we have a African American character, uh, Jackson Hole. You know, yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. And before that, there's a nice conversation in the movie where they're all sitting around after they've shot their porn for the day, kind of like talking about things that are very relevant today. You know, sexual identity, open relationships. You know, sex and love. The difference between them. Can you separate the two? Um, it was very interesting. I feel like it's a conversation a lot of people would would be having today, and it felt again very natural to the characters and to the movie. It wasn't just like a bit of exposition. It was just an interesting moment in the movie. Yeah, there wasn't like this heavy-handed monologue about you know patriarchy and racism that you see in like all these other films. You know what I mean? And yeah, that, that exactly. Just, that just speaks to how like Ty West is just a better filmmaker than a lot of these other people. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, and I don't even know if race is, is brought up in this movie. I never didn't catch anything. If, if it was, it was very subtle. I know his character's a vet. I, I, I know that, was, which is, was a, a, a nice addition to his character. Yeah. And then we have the, um, the old couple that owns the property. And, uh, of course, you know, they see these, like, young women walking around you know oh and the other thing in this movie is uh there's there's nudity in it which is you know there was like it seems like there there was like this trend of um reluctance to have female and ma there's male nudity in this too so straight up male and female nudity in the film mm. and uh it's become this kind of like uptight vibe in filmmaking over the last 10 or 15 years maybe with nudity you know, and back in the 70s and the 80s, it was very free, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, like, now if there's a sex scene in a movie or a TV show, there has to be, like, a consultant on, on set, you know, if you're doing something with a bigger budget, things like that. And so I think filmmakers are shying away from that because they don't want to get accused of being exploitive or, or uh, creepy or anything like that. But here it really makes sense to do. I mean, they're making a porn. Ty West is making a throwback movie to the seventies. There's going to be nudity. And I'm sure like, you know, everyone signed off on it when, when they, when they agreed to do, do the part. By the name, the, uh, by the way, the name of the film was the farmer's daughters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the movie they're making. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting. Did you notice the sort of mirroring effect that was going on in this movie? Uh, what do you Me, mean, like where they're where they're cutting to the actual shooting of the film, and then they're showing what it's like on through the camera? Is that what you're talking about? I feel like no, the the film they were making had parallels to what was happening in their actual lives. Oh in yeah, the film. okay, yeah, yeah. Now I got what you're saying. Yeah, um, like uh, the lemonade scene. They're shooting the porn, 
and they're doing like a dialogue scene where he comes to the farm and she makes some lemonade and they cut it between Maxine, who's uh, having a, a glass of lemonade with, I believe her name was Pearl, the uh, old lady who lives on the, uh, on the farm. And uh, not only that, like the preacher that's always on the TV, I feel like a lot of the dialogue he was saying was very relevant to, uh, to what was happening in the movie at times. This is kind of like a weird meta movie without being very obvious about it, like, you know, Scream or something like that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, things like that going on. Just like little touches like that. Just make it better than your standard slasher fare. Um, there's also, I got to say, man, my favorite scene in the movie was, uh, I have it down, Maxine Goes Swimming. Oh yeah, so this, she, this is a great she, scene. Yeah, she's waiting to to shoot her part. She's kind of exploring, off exploring the woods, and you, know, you see that that the old lady's kind of creeping on, on her, and you think that's what the scene is going to be about, but it turns, like she's being stalked by a, an alligator, and it's so effectively shot. You see these like above shots looking down on her, and this like. Alley slowly creep into the frame and she's swimming away and you see like, uh, you know, it behind her. And I just thought that was a really incredibly well shot scene and a bit of foreshadowing danger. You know, there is a little bit of that throughout the movie that, uh, you know, she's being stalked by this, uh, crocodile. She's there on the way to, uh, the farm. They see this, cow that has just been obliterated by a truck a lot of like foreshadowing that something terrible is about to happen that was a very texas chainsaw massacre part where they have the cow that was um that was the, the destroyed cow like on the side of the street you know yeah absolutely yeah totally totally what, what i liked about the alligator scene too is that uh it's before any any of the action any of the violence and killings and stuff really start so it's like it's like a build-up and you know this um maxine's out there in the water and uh and she's swimming it's sort of this idyllic setting which is like the setting that they're in it's like out in the country they're in this secluded house uh you know she's skinny dipping in the water and just completely oblivious to what kind of danger is lurking behind her and on the shore yes so there's like surrounded by danger and being stalked by these two predators yet completely oblivious to it and then she narrowly escapes uh being devoured by this alligator she just pulls gets out of the water and the thing just like barely you know misses her you know right exactly and it's masterfully done like something you would see out of a creature feature you know or, but uh here it is in a slasher movie and uh that scene eventually does pay off. <laughs> um, uh, it's uh, foreshadowing more, more than one ways. Um, but yeah, that's how we are introduced to Pearl. You know, we've, all, we've already met the, uh, the cranky old farmer uh, who, who is basically, you know, you know forgets he's rented the, 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 the back barn to these kids. And you mentioned there's a lot of conflict in that movie. Uh, right away, there's conflict between our gang and the old man. 
Yeah. And he just instantly t- dislikes him. And he even tells him, I don't like you. <laughs> I think you're trying to pull a fast one on me. And which, he, which he is actually, because like, you know, he didn't tell him what they were doing out there, you know. And uh, the, the, the film, the producer ha- has like this like sleazy kind of vibe, you know what I mean? He, ha- he has like this kind of like, like greasy, greasiness about him too. Totally. But, you know, I never got the sense, again, that he was like a jerk. He's just a slick. Yeah, he's slick. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, he kind of can't help but like him a little bit. No, totally. And that's the thing. No one, even, you know, I got to be honest, even the, uh, you know, the, the, the stalkers in this film, like the old couple, you know, there's motivation. Like, there's reasons behind everything. Okay, yeah, I'm glad you, you you mentioned that. We didn't talk about the couple much. Um, I didn't really... There's no exposition in this movie, which I greatly appreciate. <laughs> you know, things just happen because they happen. I, you know, was... Did they ever really give a reason for Pearl why she's doing what she's doing? Well, the whole thing I, is is a, you know... She wants, this is like one of the most uncomfortable parts of the movie. Very uncomfortable. I know what you're, I know what you're yeah. about to mention. <laughs> she still is a sexual being, the old lady. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And uh, her husband just cannot, he's just not up to the task, you know, for uh, various reasons. Age, you know, his health is poor. And uh, that driving uh, instinct for sex is is making her you know is motivating her to oh we have all these young people here so and there's other things that we discover that she's up to that yes. are results of her just dissatisfaction like her un unable to like get what she wants she ha- she resorts to these other methods and i think originally her her interactions with the uh, the young the younger group of people is that she's reaching out to them for like intimacy, right? And they just so happen to be making a, a a porn, and she she catches a glimpse of what they're doing, and it sort of ignites something in her. Uh, again, you know, in a lesser movie, I think like this would all be mapped out. There'd be a reason for this yeah. and that, but it just kind of presents itself like this is happening. This is how she is, and. I like that. So when I find out they're doing a prequel's already been shot secretly. No, I'm not sure. I really, I mean, necessarily, you know, want to have it all spelled out for me. But at the same time, we get another Ty West movie. So, yeah, I'm like, I'm really interested in that, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, apparently he he wrote the script while he was being, uh, you know, because it was they shot this during the quarantine, so he had he had to like hole up for two weeks. So he wrote this. And then they shot it while they were there. So killing two birds with one stone, I guess. You know, right? Yeah. And uh, so yeah, it takes about uh, you know you know something's up with this old couple. You know she's acting very bizarre, but you know no signs that she's murderous. And then an hour into the movie, things change, and which is interesting because the characters talk about Psycho in 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 this movie and how like it's a them. You think the movie's going one way and it goes another, and this kind of does the same thing. Say you never saw a trailer or anything for it, you might not necessarily see what's coming. Yeah. And it's at this point, too, that the movie, like, I kind of found this movie, like, the, like, 
once it starts getting violent, the movie really sort of plays almost like a black comedy. Yeah, there is a little bit of a humorous element to it, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, as soon as a character turns on the radio and Don't Fear the Reaper is playing, I think you pretty much can <laughs> know what's going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, Don't Fear the Reaper, one of the greatest songs ever written. It, it really is, uh, isn't it? I love that song. I love that song. I've heard it 8 billion times, and I never get sick of it. Yeah. So, uh, like, haunting. Yeah. I just wanted to interject something here. There's... um. Have you seen The Devils? Oh, the, the 70s film? Yeah, the Ken Russell movie. Yeah, Ken Russell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course I have. Yeah. All right. So the, um, there's an interesting thing. And I'm going to, there's like a, I, I was, th made, this movie made me think of something that I got out of The Devils. Now, basically, that movie is about a bunch of uh, nuns that are just like, just screaming to be touched by a man. You know what I mean? And, dri and driven insane by that desire, unrequited desire for sexual contact. And uh, a young Oliver Reed rolls into town, you know, and um, mm -hmm. all the nuns are just going nuts over him. But they can't do anything because they're nuns, you know. And right. um, the, uh, the, the, the head nun, Vanessa Redgrave, is just losing her mind and she does all this evil shit to, to Oliver Reed and he ends up getting, uh, you know, they think they, they, they burn him alive because they accuse him of being in league with Satan. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that that unsatisfied human desire is uh, oftentimes the motivator for, for, uh, for evil. And that's kind of like a parallel to this movie, I think. Yeah, that's that's more or less what I was thinking. I was just curious if there was more to it. Yeah, it's, I'm kind of curious in that way, like what the prequel is going to tell us about about this 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 particular character or the, the, this couple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I'm, I I think I'm I'm with you there. Like, yeah, she's just you know, and it's maybe even a comment about aging, and you know, feeling old and you don't fit in. You're not one of the young kids anymore. Even, you know, uh, one of the characters, when they're having their talk about sex, she's like, old people don't fuck. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, this movie proves that to be wrong. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that scene? <laughs> no, I, don't, I want to forget that I even ever saw that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is this, it's not like a stigma against old people fucking. It's, it's these two old people fucking, <laughs> like, the, the whoever did the makeup did a brilliant job. I yeah, mean, yeah, they great. make these two look really terrifying and grotesque. And when you see what uh, what you know Howard looks like out of the makeup, he's unrecognizable. Now, I saw like the lead actress who plays Maxine. It says in the credits, Maxine slash Pearl. Is she playing same, the old it's lady? The same lady. Yeah, it's the same actress. That's insane. Yeah. I didn't even pick up on that. Now I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to play it like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. I've never, <laughs> I, I've never seen her in it. I don't. What, what has she been in? Like, I don't know much about any of the actresses or actors in this uh, movie. Uh, Mia Goth. Uh, I know she's been in some things. Uh, her, I can't think of anything. Her off name the top is of my so head. familiar, but I don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I know the girl who played the veteran porn uh, star. She was in those Pitch Perfect movies. 
uh, sort of PG-13 uh, comedies that, uh, you know, for a mass audience. So it was really kind of crazy to see her take on a role like this. Yeah, I just, I don't think I've, I just, the movies that she, that these people, these actresses were in are just not something that, um, they're not films I really would have, uh, would have watched. I do know that uh, Mia Goth is uh, with, or maybe she's not with him anymore, but she was with or is with Shia LaBeouf. I know that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that guy is uh, kind of pretty much fucked himself out of uh, out of Hollywood. I think. Uh, oh, he got he got me too as well. Um. Yeah, I believe he got accused of uh, uh, hitting one of his girlfriends and uh, just in general being a real asshole. Which, oh, wow. uh, yeah. if you've seen any interviews with him, it's very believable that he would be an obnoxious, not obnoxious prick. Okay, so I'm looking at, she was in a film called A Cure for Wellness. Did you ever see that? I haven't, no. And made her film debut in Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac. I know you saw saw that. that. I definitely saw that. And actually wasn't, uh, Shia Shia LaBeouf was also in that. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, So that's where where they met, I guess. Not so much a fan of that one. I think von Trier missed the mark with that. Yeah, it it was a spectacle. You know what I mean? It was something. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a spectacle. Um, but yeah, you know, like you know, you have like you know, actors doing, you know, it's a lot of nudity, not something you used to see Britney Snow doing. You play the veteran porn star, and you got Kid Cudi, musician, doing a full frontal scene. And I have to, <laughs> I have, I wrote down prosthetic with a question mark. Oh, his piece? You think that might yeah. not have been his piece? I'm not entirely sure. If it is, good for you, Kid Cuddy. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was just, uh, I don't know, it was uh, almost comical. I, I don't know. I couldn't really say for sure. But it looked uh, a, a bit fake to me. I don't know. Oh, maybe, you know. You um, want to know something funny? Uh, this just made me think, think of it. You know, like, uh, you know, you, you, know you, you spent a lot of time on the road. And uh, sure. in in green rooms across the nation, right? You, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how many dicks have you seen drawn on the walls of the green room? Oh God! But you know, uh, you know what's really funny about that is like all the all of the drawings of dicks that I've seen on the walls of various green rooms have always been so detailed and like like. You know what I mean? Like, like really well rendered. And then when they, someone draws breasts, it's like a, a four-year-old kid draw, drew them. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? It's like. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you look at your, your, a dick every day. Which, you know, <laughs> it's like, like so funny to me. You get a good idea of what one would look like if you. What I'm more interested in is the psychology of like why you feel the need to, <laughs> to draw it on a wall. I don't know, like, man. But uh, we, yeah, that was our biggest joke on tour. You know, you can't draw a crowd, draw a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would, uh, if I had to estimate, I would say it's in the hundreds. Yeah, definitely. For sure. The high hundreds. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, every club has one somewhere. There's a dick on the wall in yep. the green room. Uh, yeah, that's fucking so amazing. Th- we got to figure out if this is uh, if that was actually Kid Cody's pipe that he was showing on the um, <laughs> on, in the in the full frontal scenes. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to follow I'll, up on that one. 
I'll do some research. I don't know how, but I, I, I will figure this out. Now, let me ask um, you a question. I think it's sure. fucking awesome that when you can have that kind of freedom, I think it's a, it's like, like I know that, oh, exploitation, uh, you know. I think it's fucking cool that actors and actresses would just be naked and not have a problem with that. And there's no politics, I don't think. You know, I just think it's like we're making a film. I'm totally cool with being naked. I don't feel exploited. I'm getting compensated well for this kind of thing. And I'm I'm, I'm, I'm being an artistic about it, you know? I think that's cool. I agree. And I think to be a really good actor or to be really good at any, like, there has to be a fearness, a fearless element to what you're doing to really, really go for it. So if you think about it, as an actor, you have a lot of potential to maybe embarrass yourself. I mean, we don't see it as the audience, but they're standing in front of like 20 people with microphones and cameras on them, you know, yeah. and say, you know, you're really going for it and you might look stupid. You know, the director might need to yell cut and be like, what are you doing? But you have to be willing to take that chance, I think, to be really great at what you do. I agree, you know, and they kind of reflect that a little bit when they're shooting the farmer's daughters, too, because like you kind of see behind the, uh, the veil of what it's like on a porn set. You know, it's like uh, not, it's it's like not sexy. You know what I mean? There's just people in the room. There's the, Lorraine is like kind of at first judgmental, but then she's getting turned on. She's like probably the only person who's actually turned on in the whole crew, you know, besides the people that are, that are fucking probably, I guess. Yeah, you know? well, even then there's like a scene where like uh, the, the, the veteran porn star was like, oh, you don't think I'm performing? And then she goes on to show just how like yeah, oh, that's easy right. it is for her to, to 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 fake it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, they, it's it's cool how they did that whole thing. I don't, I don't know. There's like there's something in all that stuff we just talked about that is like in this film that I find very interesting. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that all of this is done in the name of a very simple, deceptively simplistic slasher movie. Um. This is what I know saying elevated is like a, a big no-no now, but this really is so much better than like some cynical kill teenager slasher flick. You know, there's, there's more going on. There's a lot of passion in, behind and uh, the camera and in front of the camera. This is, this is a great movie. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and to speak of cynicism and, and this it's, there's no doubt that we're comparing this to Texas, the Reese's piece of shit, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out. You know right, I mean? yeah. And it's like, I found that movie to be very cynical. You yeah, know? I did too. Uh, yeah. Just in its nature, like the way it was being sold, like this is a direct sequel to the original. Like this is, uh, we're bringing Sally back, you know, it's like if we just throw a bunch of like shit we think people want at the wall, people will watch this. But it didn't feel like there was any passion for, the, uh, the 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 movie or the, or its legacy or anything in that I just it just felt like this hollow, empty, stupid cash grab. Like oh, if we throw like a lengthy murder scene in there, people are gonna love it. And you know some people did. And uh, you know I saw this argument: what's wrong with liking like a fun horror movie? Well, it's, if it's now, not it's not that fun though. That to me, honestly, that movie wasn't exactly. Fun, you know this, while it's graphic and gory and creepy, it's a lot of fun. It knows what it is. It has a sense of humor, uh, but it also, it, it's so much more than that. It has interesting characters, interesting dialogue, things that, that make you think a little bit more than like, your standard 
guy in a mask kills a bunch of kids. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I hope this is a, a return for uh, for Ty West, man, because I really thought this was a you know a great you know follow up to the last film he's done, you know, which wasn't even a horror film. But I I really hope that uh, you know I imagine Ty West like watching all this stuff happen and being like I got I got to put an end to this, so I got to start making horror films again. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, I'm gonna show you fucking how it's done. Yeah. And uh, and I believe he did, man. Um, I was mentioning earlier, like you know, I've already it's, it's it's April. I've already seen some movies. I think will make my top list of the year, and this is certainly on that. So, if we're talking grades, what would you give this? I give this a four point five, man. That's, uh, how, that's how strong I feel about it. I give it a five. That's you how do. strong I feel about it. Yes. Wow. Okay. I, great. I I almost gave it a five, man. I almost did, but that's awesome, man. Great. Yeah. I can't find anything I didn't like about this movie. Um, I can't point to anything I think is a, a, a flaw. I think this is just uh, a good idea, uh, executed perfectly. Uh, great movie, and then then welcome back, Ty West. You know, yeah. it's, it's great that he's that he's back making these kinds of of films. Like I said, I'm a little conflicted about a prequel to this, but. Ultimately, we're getting a new Ty West movie, and that's a good thing. I trust that he's going to do something interesting with it. Like, I don't think he's just going to cheese out. Like, you know, I, I think that the prequel is going to be interesting. It's probably, hopefully, it's not something we're expecting. You know what I mean? It's going to be some quirk that's going to make it interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, this movie has it all. It's, it's very darkly comedic. It's gory as hell. Uh, it's just, yeah, perfectly executed. Good shit. Don't watch it with your parents. It'll get awkward. Yeah, if you watch it with your parents, definitely you'll you'll be uncomfortable for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, great movie. I'm glad we decided to uh, to talk about this, and it was a a great thing to sit through a a, a second time. Sometimes when you know I'll, I'll usually watch a movie we cover twice, and sometimes it'll be a fucking slog to get through. But this was like just as exciting as the first time I, I watched it. I'll probably get the uh, the Blu-ray when it comes out too. Oh, for sure! Like yeah. I want to play that like crocodile scene on a loop on my TV <laughs> mounted <laughs> on my wall. Yeah, it's just one of the the the, the best scenes of the year. Um, like you said, we're getting a lot of good stuff this year. There's a lot of stuff I'm looking forward to, man. Like you know, for example, like we talked about Cronenberg's new movie. Um, there's also um, The Northman. I think tonight opens. Yes. And uh, yeah. I'm toying with the idea of trying to catch a late show over at the old AMC there. And um, yeah, there's the uh, the the um, that Morehead uh, Moore Mel- uh, Benson and Morehead Benson and Morehead yeah Benson and Morehead movie it's coming out um, in the in the dirt in the ground in the dirt something like that mm-hmm. something like that yeah um, yeah there's there's all that and we already got the Batman which we covered on the show I. Yep. Uh, Rewatch that. It's on HBO Max now, and uh, happy to say it plays just as good on your flat screen TV as it does uh, in the theater. Uh, it's it's still like I it, that's definitely a, a top ten of the year for me, uh, no question. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about um, definitely. That, that's a long film, so I need you need time. You know what I mean? You and do. Yeah. Like, like I said earlier, I, I've been work. I haven't even. 
I actually I haven't left my house in like two days. That's how much how hard I've been working right now, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, uh, well, you're just on tour, so you gotta you gotta catch up. No, well, yeah, that, but also sometimes shit just gets crazy at my job, and you got to do what you got to do, you know. So I've been just grinding for like I haven't even gone to the gym. I just been sitting here. I worked until like from seven a.m. till nine thirty last night. Jesus. And then today was uh, seven a.m. till about five thirty, and then uh, I got to work on Sunday, and then Monday probably everything will be done and I'll be able to move on to something else. So, you know, yeah, today, today I think was the first day I wasn't running around, uh, doing things for the new house or doing yard work. just had a day to like, just sort of, uh, chill. My uh, girlfriend is back in LA for, for work for the, for a couple of days. And, uh, the sun is going down and I'm alone in this creepy house in this new <laughs> city. I don't know very well. Um, did you uh, find like so- a secret passage or something like that in the basement? Like, uh, you know, it's funny. I kind of, <laughs> not really, but, um, when we, I think it was, uh, the morning after the night we moved in. So yeah, I was like, you know, we, uh, we couldn't find my cat Edgar, uh, anywhere. And when we first moved in, like the night, they started banging all the cabinets. Uh, they're still doing it too. Cause there's cabinets on the ground and they must be some sort of latch there. And the cat's just sort of, uh, knock him around all night and uh, so we figured he got into one of those so we look in all and we couldn't find him we look in the one in the bathroom uh we see there's a hole in the cabinet that goes under the tub and we just see his eyes glowing back at us Hell yeah. nice <laughs> and we're like our cat just discovered this weird hole that <laughs> leads underneath the tub you know what the fuck is going on down there maybe it's a a thin spot where something from another dimension. Exactly. That's what I would yeah. think it was for sure. Yeah. And he was just in there and like, he did not want to come out. Like, you know, cats only weigh what, what, like he's a big boy. He's probably like 15 pounds, but you grabbed him. It was like trying to rip a tree, uproot a tree. He just wouldn't budge. Um, <laughs> so we put a uh, cardboard over the hole. Uh, and I, I fully expect to see some, a gremlin shape, you know, smashed through that that cardboard at some point. Some some creature is going to come from there. Did you know what happened to the former, you know, occupants of this house? I do not. I do not know. Uh, I was really tempted to ask. <laughs> I ran into the, one of my neighbors the other day. And I was fully expecting, like, you know, what happened in that yeah, house? Yeah, like some <laughs> Stephen King shit. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes um, I, 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 I don't off. believe in. In, in ghosts and things like that but i you know it kind of gets spooked easy and when you're in a new house uh all by yourself it can be a little spooky i gotta be honest man like when i even when i first moved into my apartment you know the first couple of nights i i had a hard time sleeping you know i'm sure you did yeah yeah um it's funny as i was at barnes and noble to uh i was gonna pick up peter ferris's new book but they uh they didn't have it yet uh, so I was like, oh, cool. I'll just go to the horror section. By the way, the horror section of Barnes and Noble in Austin is a fucking joke, dude. Uh, really bad. Uh, I found this big book of ghost stories and I was about to buy it. And like, part of me is like, do you think that's a good idea? <laughs> you're yeah. home alone for a few nights in this brand new house. and You're going to read this. You know how you are, <laughs> you know? It's funny that you mentioned the thing about Barnes and Noble because I just posted something on Instagram because, uh, 
something funny happened like earlier it was like this this is this is like never happens i was driving to the gym right and i saw that i was going to be late okay you know because like the we start training at six and it was like i'm like oh fuck i'm gonna be late and then if you're late you have to do burpees and stuff like that so um mm -hmm. i'm like oh fuck i don't want to do burpees man so i thought about just not just going to the seven o'clock one and not doing six and set you know whatever so i'm like you know what fuck it i'm, just, I'm not even gonna go tonight i'm just gonna go to uh i'm just gonna go to barnes <laughs> and noble there's a starbucks there and see if I can buy like, you know, maybe they have something interesting, like some like an old like an older like Adam Neville book that I haven't read yet or like, you know, something cool. Right. So I went in there. I'm walking around the store, Barnes and Noble. And I'm like, what, do they even have a horror section here anymore? So I asked the lady, I was like, you know, do me, you know, excuse me. Do you have a horror section? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's over there. It was like literally in like in inside like another section you know what i mean it yeah. was like surrounded by the fiction section and it was two sh two two shelves that's it just two you know those like shelving units and uh they had, yeah same they, yeah it was ridiculous i'm like why not why even have why even have that you know yeah it's like trying to find like the automotive section in target it's like you know half a wall <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. uh I remember, you know, my ex-wife worked at Barnes & Noble in New York City, and they had a really good, well, maybe it wasn't really good, but it was good. Uh, they had a good horror section, and it always started with anthologies and then, you know, yep. alphabetical. And horror anthologies was like my thing. I would just grab one and buy it because, you know, there's bound to be some author you never heard of before yeah. that you're going to fucking fall in love with. That's how I discovered Ramsey Campbell, Thomas Ligotti, uh, Ted Klein, guys like 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 that um and this didn't have one anthology uh, and, and you weird. know the funny, the funny thing too is like horror is kind of popular again you would think they'd want to get with the program you would think i don't know like uh, maybe it's a regional thing i don't know but like yeah this is this this uh, i left uh, empty-handed you know they had every stephen king book every joe hill book uh, a bunch of people i'd never heard of um and you know not one anthology. And that's usually how I go. Like I'll, I'll find an author I like, then read one of their books and, you know, see if I'm going to, you know, if I'm a fan or not. I love anthologies too. I still, I still read a lot of anthologies, you know, and, and especially, yeah. especially if I look and I see there's an author that I already like as like the anchor. I'm like, all right, cool. At least I know. And then I'll just go through the whole, the whole thing. And I'll be, usually I find like one or two, you know, authors that I, I really like at, as a result of that. Yeah, you know, there was a thing, a yearly thing for a while. I don't know if you remember this. I think the editor's name was Stephen Jones. He did a thing called the Mammoth Book of Best New Horror. Yeah, yep, totally. Yeah, and there was like one that came out a year. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Bell at the uh, awesome bookstore, Dark Delicacies in Burbank, California, which pre pretty much specializes in horror. I was like, hey, do those, are those things still a thing? He's like, no, nah, man, they haven't, they haven't existed. They haven't been uh, a thing for a while. And uh, kind of bummed me out, you know. I was kind of hoping, like, oh, I'll pick up. I haven't picked one of those up in like five years, you know. And turns out, no, they haven't been making them. Yeah, man, it sucks. You know, I mean, there's there's a ton of st other other stuff out there though that's like pretty cool. You know, I um I subscribed to Weird Tales, like the the new they they kind of resurrected it again, and um like when issues come out, I get those, and there's always like pretty that's pretty well curated. You know what I mean? Oh, awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, cool well, stuff. Right. You know, it's um on on uh Kindle. I subscribe there's a a magazine called Dark, which is like it's one dollar a month. So I I get that on the Kindle. And uh Nightmare magazine, that's like another one that's like uh, you know, uh, I think it's like one fifty a month or something on Kindle. And it's just uh they're all just anthologies. There's like maybe 10 stories or something like that. And it's, it's just really cool. Yeah. And if even half of those are, are, are good, that's a pretty good batting average, you know, like, yeah, totally. That's awesome. Well, uh, I'll, I'll have to check that out. And, yeah. uh, everyone who's actually still listening, check out X. It's incredible. All right, guys, talk to you next week. Take care. Ich möchte mich mit dir verlaufen